Gentlemen, start your engine. Booster, go. Retro, go. Vital, we're go fly. Guidance, guidance, go. Atomic batteries to power. Surgeon, go fly. Econ, we're go fly. GNC, we're go. Delmu, go. Control, go fly. Procedures, go. Inco, go. FAO, we are go. I'm completely operational and all my circuits are functioning perfectly. Network, go. Recovery. Go! Capcom. We're go fly. Time circuit's on. Flux capacitor. Fluxing. Engine running. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Very bad feeling about this. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Live from the bunker, it's Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Hi, everybody. This is Ann Lotz talking to you live from the bunker on Sci-Fi for Me. Tonight, we're talking to um, Mandela Van Peebles. He's not only part of an acting dynasty in Hollywood that goes from Melvin Van Peebles to Mario Van Peebles, and now Mandela's the third generation. He's appearing as Mitch in the Halloween movie this season, which was Jigsaw continuation of the Saw franchise. So we're having a little time to talk to him and about his life, his current career, and where he's going to in the future. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to me. No problem. No problem. Okay. Well, let's start with a little bit of your um, background. Now, I, I see that you just got out of school. Yep. And did you... Now, when you were in school, did you concentrate on school, or did you mix it in with uh, things you were doing in performing arts? Yeah, so that's, I'm glad, well, we're a great place to start. So, coming from a sort of film family, I um, I definitely knew that, you know, growing up, this is something that I enjoy, and it speaks to me as far as, like, passion. Uh-huh. I got to see my pops do it, and granddad do it and be on set with them as a little guy. So that was always a lot of fun. And I kind of just associated time with dad to, you know, him working. So it's always had a nice, you know, happy spot in my heart. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I've never loved school. I'm not the best student, but okay, that's the importance of education. And education is definitely big in my family. So then mm-hmm. um, I booked my first uh, like I would say leading role in a in a feature film when I was sixteen and that was something called The Luna Party. Yeah, and in two thousand twelve, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we came out in two thousand twelve but we shot it in two thousand ten. And that was that was a good time because it was my first time working as an actor in a in a real way. You know, not just okay. when I hear there. It was you know, I'm really holding a scene and knowing lines and that that was a great experience. And after that, I kind of was just all about it. And I think my dad saw that. And he didn't want us to kind of turn into, you know, Hollywood kids. Okay. So he, he sent me and my um, brother. We, we did uh, a nice, like, uh, international school in Costa Rica. So we did that for a year. And that was mm-hmm. great to get out of L.A. and kind of just switch things up a bit. Okay. And after that. Um, after graduation, I graduated from Loyola High School here in L.A. Um, mm-hmm. I knew from that first, you know, movie I worked on that 
thing and being a part of the industry is definitely something I see myself doing. So okay. when it was time to apply to colleges and like I said, my family's big in education and we realize how important that is. So it was kind of not a, do you want to go to school? It's just more like expect it. And yeah, and like with was, my mom, it was like, you know, not if you go to college, but when you go to college. <laughs> yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. So it was it was more that situation where I was like, okay, I got to start looking at colleges, but I want to still be able to work and, mm-hmm. you know, book. And so that kind of motivated me. I went to Chapman my first two years, and then LMU, my uh, my last two years, graduated from LMU, which, mm-hmm. is, uh, which is in L.A., so... Chapman had a great film program, and I met a lot of people doing really cool stuff there. And then LMU, I went to Little High School, so that was a nice transition of having a group of people already there. And kind of what I realized, subconsciously, I think I made that choice to stay close to home, to be near near work, be near the family. But then there was, you know, a time of, okay, in, in, in a... In high school and even in, in Chapman in the earlier years, I, I don't grow facial hair much, so I was like holding on to my little strand. So I'm okay. like, you know what? Austin's working on stuff. I'm here at the house. I'm I'm kind of overhearing these meetings, overhearing these phone calls. I know what age group this movie is casting for. Yeah. Let me let me try and look that age group. So I would I would shave my face and just kind of pop in on these lunch meetings you would have at the house or uh-huh. like a cat song. And that, that's kind of how I booked USF Indianapolis with Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Was being around and being in the environment. And then with Roots, similar story. Is I, I hear Pops is going to direct Roots, and I actually ask him, like, hey, Dad, you know, I, I really want to be a part of this. I think that would be great. And, you know, such a historical thing. He just told me straight up. He said, look, you're, you're just way too old, though. You look too old. The guy's supposed to be 15, 16. Everything he needs to say in a look, 
diversified on screen, whether it's Netflix or actual cinema, cinema in the theaters. But that diversification, I feel, is, is often left out of pop music. Really? Okay. Yeah, I feel... So there's more of a... So they're both industries, but the movie industry has a bit more freedom? I think it's opening up a bit more for a young African-American man. I'm, I'm all talking about through my point of view. So yeah. for, for, if I were to say today, oh, I want to rap, I'm going to be 100% about rapping or singing. I'm going to have to probably make songs about stuff that I don't do, you know? Okay. I'm not, you know, I, I don't sell drugs. I don't have guns or bitches or, you know, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, you hear on the radio. But <laughs> they, put, they put that out and they push that as a narrative to sell. And I think with filmmaking, you can kind of develop your own narrative. And, and you can with music as well, but it all comes from a place of ownership. And okay. that's why it's important to write your own music and produce your own music or write your own script, or at least have a hand in how it's coming together. And that's really what I'm trying to focus on as well, moving forward. Okay, so you mean script writing and possibly directing? Correct, yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've directed a couple things in the past, um, music videos. Uh, definitely like directing, but I want to kind of dive into the process of developing a script or a series and, and see where that goes. Because, yeah. Okay. Well, I have read that you are a horror movie fan, and this is, you in fact, Jigsaw, the big Halloween horror movie for this year, was your first one. So what was it like being in a movie for a horror movie instead of being in the audience for you? <laughs> uh, it was a, a dream come true to kind really? of grow up. Yeah, grow up being so affected by the horror genre, you know. We come from a big family, and we're playful, and I think, you know, horror is right next to comedy, so. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, what comes right after a joke is a prank, a practical joke, a scare, you know, you hide behind the corner, and then, boom, there's dad, he's scaring you. Ah, okay. So it's always that, and then he wants to see our reactions to stuff that made him scared as a kid, so we'll put on the exorcist, and okay. <laughs> All of us like, oh, that looks fake, you know? Or uh -huh. put on American Werewolf in London when we were younger, and we're like, oh, we're all scared. And now watching it back, it's like, oh, that looks, you know, it's like a, a, a puppet, you know? So okay. that's something growing up. I always love the excitement behind the whole family telling a ghost story or getting together to watch a scary movie in the living room. And so it really kind of curated that love for horror genre. And then just, that kind of blossomed into my own personal thing, but then, you know, I'm old enough to go see Saw and all these different movies by myself, on my own. Yeah. And that's when I'm, of certain lines from Saw 1, you know, certain scenes where they're talking about John Kramer being somebody who helps them, you know? Uh -huh. That's thought vibe. And just a different twist that Saw had that we weren't really seeing in other horror movies, I think that mm -hmm. kind of set the sides apart where it's like he's a vigilante in a way with a twisted moral compass and these people aren't you know chosen by random They're and it's, um, yeah and it's so become such a complex mythology of a of a series exactly exactly it becomes its own culture and i think also what what makes jigsaw and, and the saw movies you know stand alone and be so success so successful over the years and the biggest horror franchise 
you know, around is just because of the relatability. Mm-hmm. Have this, you know, it isn't a monster, it isn't a dragon, it isn't a demon. It's a human being who's probably got some mental issues, you know? Mental health yeah. is a thing in our country now. And mm-hmm. I think that it touches on, uh, you know, a lot of things that could happen in real life. And that's why it's such a reaction when you're in those traps and you're in those situations because you put yourself in the character's shoes and you're like, dang, that's heavy, you know, how would I react if I yeah. had this bucket off my head and I couldn't breathe, or I couldn't get out, or, you know, that that's always interesting, and <clears throat> in the past, I've worked on films, and, you know, even Roots, it's, it's a heavy film, it's something that historically got significance, and then, yes. for thought, being heavy in its own way, the stakes are just as high, but in their own way, if not, I'm running away from slave masters to save my life it's I'm running away from this twisted guy to save my life but okay. the way that the script is, is there's not as much you know written out dialogue which is great it gave me an opportunity to kind of craft more subtle acting as far as like okay what is my breathing like what, what, where's my eye line where, what am I feeling mm-hmm. et cetera et cetera I think and um, that, you know and also, you can see it from both sides of both being the victim and being the perpetrator behind these. Exactly. Yep. Well, if you could now, without giving away any spoilers about what happens to your character, Mitch, if anyone has not seen it yet, what was uh, the most challenging thing you encountered filming this? Oh man. I think there was a lot of, uh, a lot of fun, fun scenes, you know, um, and that's kind of the, so saw, you think of all the amazing set design and trap designs and CGI, and I think that that's what the fans are really looking for, these twisted contraptions that John Kramer puts people in, and a lot of times, I find myself, <laughs> you know, in my trailer, practicing and giving a performance like yeah okay I really like how that felt and then on the day you know you're in some contraption where <laughs> you're this is nothing like how you were feeling in the trailer you know maybe you're upside down you're <laughs> in like a, a giant bat of you know grain or whatever whatever different circumstances you could be in but just coming in with that already practice developed you know dialogue and where, where you want the character to go really helps when you're put in these situations of, dang, it's really hard to act upside down for, you know, four minutes. <laughs> Blood really rushes to your head. <laughs> there are certain different things where you're like, that played out differently than I was expecting, but it helps in some cases where, you know, it's like, that made it real. I'm actually, okay. hey, you know, that, that added to it because I could feel, you know, I could feel it. And sometimes, you know, on set, maybe, maybe, you know, you never know the situation, but I like, I like it to come from a place of real and natural reaction. And I okay. think that's why working on Saw is so fun because when you're, when you're in those situations, you're not saying, oh man, this, you're not just narrating every move you're making. It's so subtle and it happens mm-hmm. so fast. It's more about a look or a way you're breathing breathing speeds up or slows down or just 
everything is so nuanced and you got to dial it in. And it really gave me an opportunity to dial in those kind of subtle things in my acting. So it's more of you contributing that instead of the script telling, this is what's happening now, this is what's happening now. You're contributing that to tell the audience what the heck's going on. Yeah, yeah, in a way. Mm, okay. So was there any um, pranksters or jokers on the set, or was it very serious? Oh, no, you got you got to have fun on set. <laughs> I, I, I okay. gave my, my back call before, before getting on set. But all right, mm-hmm. I, know, I, I know a couple of these jokes. It's always good because it gets everybody warmed up. They start to know you and your face, and they feel more comfortable. So it's, I like joking on set. I like mm-hmm. doing too much. You get the classic, you know, wet your hand in um, a cold cup of something or whatever warm, cold liquid you got. And then you, you stake me and then flick your hand on the back of the director <laughs> or, you know, whoever's neck. Like, you sneeze all over their neck. Oh, and, <laughs> and then everybody else is already watching. So everybody else is in on the joke. But there's so many somebody. But yeah, no, it's a lot. I suppose you have to keep it kind of lighthearted when things are getting so dire for your characters. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly, you know. Definitely uh, drinking a lot of tea helps when you're screaming that much for your, you know. Okay. But, yeah, that was awesome because, you know, like I said, it was my first time on this horror set. And for me to be a saw, a saw fan and kind of like, wow, this is how it's done. And then also have the actual fan of acting. And I am a fan of acting and I love the art and the craft of it and kind of, being a nerd about how do I want my character to play? How do I want this, you know, and kind of talking about that with the other um, actors and even John Kramer, the producers. People are really passionate about Saw, and that's what I like. It was like a, a family that opened their home for me on Thanksgiving. That's how I felt. Oh, it okay. Was like, it was, it was kind nice. of like the reinventing of the franchise into a new... Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah. Well, I guess, what is next up for you in the future? Well, thank you for asking. I'm I'm interested because now you're started in horror, you've done a historical, you've dabbled in the genres, so what what you got next? Well, I got, um, basically, you know, I don't want to wait around for any yeses from anybody else. And while I'm still auditioning for a bunch of stuff, I'm developing my own script. I can't really talk about it too much, but it's for a series. And okay. um, I'm really excited about that. But something I can kind of talk about is a project called Flint Six, and that's kind of following the Flint, Michigan water crisis. And it's about oh. a group of high school students kidnap a government official to bring awareness to the issue. And it all happens kind of serendipitous in a way. And okay. I'm really passionate about that one. I love, you know, I like films that speak to whether it's parallel from, you know, Ruth even has parallels that are relevant today and, you know, okay. in present day. And that's, I really like that. And I think Flint, this Flint Six project really goes hand in hand with bringing awareness to the issue because so we are three years later and it's still an issue. A lot of people don't yeah. know that it's not fixed yet, mm-hmm. which is, you know, interesting. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited for the future. And I like, uh, I like imagining where I'm going to be in 10 years, but I've never been someone who 
isn't happy now because they have to get somewhere first. I enjoy the journey, and I think that's kind of how I take it and how I live my life is, you know, every day at a time, day by day. So just, you know, those those phone calls of, wow, you booked it, that's, those are the goosebumps for me. That's okay. what I like. That's where I get the feels for it. So, um, yeah, I'm just, you know, kind of trucking through and I really want to see some of these things with my ideas come into fruition and also things that I'm kind of trying to help my my partners or business partners or whatever get out there and get funding for and, you know, kind of just take over as the next generation of young African-American people doing it, you know? Be the next mm-hmm. life lead. Single thing, model their people. Be be a part of that, you know. Uh huh. Well, I will. So we can see you now in Jigsaw. We will be upcoming to see you in Flint Six. And just thank you for taking the time to talk to us. At you know, here live from the bunker for Sci Fi for me, and onwards and upwards for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for listening to Live from the Bunker. If you have any comments, questions, ideas. Please get in contact with us on Sci-Fi For Me. We are on Facebook, we are on Twitter, and we are on Instagram. So check us out. And again, thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2017 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. And remember, no matter where you go, there you are.